Well, that's a depiction of Peter literally walking on water, the biblical account. I think it was probably filmed with the first version of the Apple iPhone. I don't think an Android would have done it, but I'm sure the iPhone could have back then. <laughs> iPhone people, come on, let me see your hands out there. All right. Android people, not quite up with us. Let me see your hands. All right. Now, what you just saw, though, was is probably as good as Hollywood or whoever can produce as far as what the Bible's account, the biblical account of Jesus having spent the day teaching, healing, ministering to people. It was towards the evening, and Jesus told the followers, his disciples, to go back across the, the sea. And he said, I'll catch up to you. They had no idea that Jesus was literally going to walk on the water. And the biblical account tells us that Simon Peter literally walked, got out of the boat and walked on the water. Here's my question to you today. Did that really happen? Did that really happen? Is it really possible that a man could defy natural law? If you throw a rock on the water today, if you step out of the boat on Lake Wright-Patman, if you're fishing on Millwood, you step out of the water in deep water, you're going down. If you can't swim, if you don't have a life jacket, you're going to drown. But is it possible that a man could walk on water at a command of Christ and literally not go down in the water? Yes. Well, the Bible would say a resounding yes. However, much of our culture would say a resounding no. There's nothing outside of the realm of, uh, of naturalism, of natural law, of laws and rules of the universe. Nothing supernatural is possible. Nothing can happen. There's kind of a wide continuum on this. And uh, I want to show you two illustrations. I found this uh, video. It was on YouTube, a CBN video. And these were some of the comments. And I want you to think of the continuum of response of people as we talk about the supernatural. And I'm not talking about uh, uh, the show Supernatural where it talks about the dark side and, you know, vampires and, and uh, the, the demons and all those things. I, I'm talking particularly about the supernatural power of God. Is it possible? A Christian, a pastor, said he saw the video and said, amazing. And when I first saw it, I, I saw Peter's foot when it touched that water. Tears began to come down my eyes as visually I began to see what the Bible records. Here's a guy. His name is Daniel, not... Uh, I don't want to judge Daniel. I'm not sure if I'd want him to uh, guide my eternal destiny. But Daniel said, so this is what stupid people watch in their spare time. Peter walking on water, and old Daniel says, it's what stupid people watch. So my question to you today, is it stupid or is it real? Is it possible that the God of the Bible is not only was a supernatural God, but is a supernatural God? The Bible is literally a record, a record from Genesis to Revelation of the supernatural intervention of God in the lives of ordinary people. But it's not just a historical book about the supernatural. The Bible would paint a picture, a portrait of us, that supernatural activity is possible today. And that's what I want to talk to you about in the coming weeks, a new series I've started called Supernatural. We're going to explore it from a biblical perspective. I very much believe in the supernatural. I believe in it because I've experienced it. But more importantly, I believe in it because the Bible tells us that God is a supernatural God and supernatural actions are possible in the lives of people today. Now, I want to use as a text in this series, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It was a promise from, that Jesus gave uh, after the resurrection and prior to the ascension. And Jesus told the disciples that were gathered there, He said, you will receive power when you go to Bible college. No, you'll receive power when you've gone to a dozen Christian concerts. No, you'll receive power when you read the right books. No, Jesus said you would receive spiritual power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the earth. 
Now, this power, if you, if you go to the gym and lift weights, you're going to become stronger. You'll have physical power. If you study, if you take a class, a trig class, if you go to take a science class, if you, if you read, your, your mind is going to absorb more knowledge. You'll have intellectual power. But this is a spiritual power. That source is not a human being. You can't control it. You can't manipulate it. You can't force it. But yet God offers it to the believer through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we explore this this morning, I want to begin with first some background. I want to talk to you what I mean by supernatural. And then we want to talk about some of the, the views that people have to the supernatural. And then we're really going to get in a lot of scriptures together. But supernatural, by definition, it's uh, from the Latin word supernalis. Uh, it arose in the 15th, 16th century. Uh, it literally means any activity that's outside and above the laws that govern the visible, observable universe. So, supernatural. If you look in your Bible, I did a, I have about 50 Bibles in my library. I looked in all of them, in my computer program, and I only found the word, word supernatural four or five times, not in a translation, but in two paraphrases. And uh, it was not used to describe activities or events, but it was used to describe demonic activities, supernatural beings. So it's really not a, a biblical notion that there is this great separation between what's natural and what's supernatural. The Bible presents uh, to us a God who created the laws that govern the universe. The Bible presents to us the God who created the laws of gravity, the law of thermodynamics, aerodynamics. It is, you can thank God every time you get in an airplane, you know, thank God, thank the pilot, thank the mechanics, but don't forget to say, Lord, you're the one that causes this airplane to stay suspended in the sky because laws that you set in motion. So even though it may not be an extraordinary miracle, if you're looking at this word and concept from a biblical perspective, even though the, the Peter walking on water and many accounts like that, the Red Sea opening, they are accounts that are, are, are certainly extraordinary, but they are supernatural just as the processes that God operates around us are, are supernatural. So when I use this word, when I say supernatural, I don't just mean that Peter would walk on water. How many know he's the only account in the Bible and in human history that I'm aware of where someone walked on water? But yet when someone becomes a Christian, when you get saved, when you're born again, when there is a spiritual rebirth, that's a supernatural action. You don't get saved because you compared all the world religions and Christianity was the most logical. The Bible says we become Christians when the Holy Spirit draws us, when God reveals himself to us, and we simply say yes to God in the process. You see, uh, it's a supernatural action when a prayer is answered, when you're praying for whatever it may be, uh, jobs, problems, issues. But if God is behind the solution to what you prayed about, that's supernatural. When you're going through a storm in life that is just destroying, you cannot handle it emotionally, you don't have the strength to keep going forwards, but you find this strength somewhere as you've prayed and as you've sought God and spent time in God, that's a supernatural uh, manifestation of God in your life. So as we think about this term, uh, let's not allow ourselves to think like the world has conditioned us to, that there's this world of the natural, that things we figure out, uh, and these borders of naturalism are continually expanding, and then God may be out there, but He's probably not. Let's begin to see the hand of God in the world around us as a supernatural hand, it's not just what God did, but it's what God is doing and will do. Now, let me give you this as we talk about this continuum of the supernatural. There are a group of people who don't believe in God. And because they don't believe in God, it's called naturalism. And naturalism says there is no God. All of us in the last 50 years in America have been educated with this viewpoint. There is no God. 
public schools. When I was a child, we'd pray in school. There was an acknowledgement of God. But today, there's literally fights. You could even say all hell breaks loose when education boards get together and determine what science book to use. And if it's a hint of an intelligent designer in that book, there's a force that says we don't want that in America today. There's no such thing as God in the world today. Uh, naturalism says there is no supernatural, there is no God. Everything has a natural cause. Nothing exists beyond the natural world. Uh, this idea was introduced to the world in the uh, 600 years before Christ came. A Greek philosopher, his name was Thales. It really took prominence in the Middle Ages. You remember in your history, the Age of Reason, the Enlightenment, that period of time where faith began to take the back seat, where science apart from God began to be elevated, where God began to be diminished in the minds of people, and reason, faith, science began to be almost uh, made into an idolatry. That's where this definition, supernatural, or the word supernatural came to us, this great void between the natural and what God was doing. It's a sad thing today. We enjoy a great many uh, uh, conveniences and, and good things in life because of what science has given us. But the great error of modern science is because they can understand the designer, or they understand the design, they see no need for a designer. Because a scientist has been able to understand the chemical compounds that are combined together to produce an antibiotic that will kill a bacteria that would have killed you years ago because we understand how this works and have unfolded a mystery that God established in the world, then we somehow think that God's not behind it. My friend, the same technology that makes your Android or iPhone work has been available since the creation of the beginning of time. People just unlocked it and began to understand it. But just because we can understand what used to be called the miracle of birth. There was a time in my life when I could remember books or, or pamphlets talking about the miracle of birth. Well, they don't use that phrase anymore because modern science is able to go into the womb. It's able to actually see how the sperm and egg unite and swim up the fallopian tubes and all the process and the baby grows and, 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 and surgeons are able to literally go in the womb and do surgery. And because you can read, read massive numbers of textbooks about what God did... Somehow we think that God's not necessary or God didn't do it. It's as if this impersonal force of evolution has replaced the deliberateness of a creator. It takes faith to believe in evolution. The little diagram that we've all seen growing up with a little single-celled organism and somehow it comes out of the muck and there's something walking, some amphibian, and the amphibian is the monkey and the monkey becomes the man. And, and we just assume that there's faith behind that. There's faith behind that. There's not all these transitional species nor transitional fossils that are everywhere to justify it, but evolution is a theory, but it's taught as fact, and it comes from something called naturalism. The biblical perspective is that the universe was created by God. It's sustained by God, and it's governed by God. The Bible says in Colossians 1.17 that Jesus Christ holds all things together. It is the power of Christ that holds the atoms together. The electrons and protons and neutrons don't split apart, but somehow God has held these units, these components together. The Bible does not make a distinction between, between the natural and the supernatural. It is all an expression of God. However, there are extraordinary miracles that we see as we look in the pages of the Bible. Now, in a book called The Fundamentals of Marxism and Leninism, it was a textbook written by Soviet scholars that's been adopted by the Communist Party USA. Christianity Today quotes this. Communist Party USA, people around you today, people in positions of power and political power, people in the power centers in the media and education, they believe this. It says that materialists or naturalists 
Don't expect aid from supernatural forces. Listen to this. Their faith is in man. Their faith is in man in his ability to transform the world by his own efforts and make the world worthy of himself. So if you wonder what's happening in America today, why is God disappearing? Why, why can't we even teach kids about a, a creator? Why can't you even... Well, you'll lose your job if you hold the biblical principles. Why is this happening in America today? I'll tell you because the forces, the philosophy of naturalism, having come from a, a spiritual deceiver, has found its way in the hearts and minds of men, and men don't want anything to do with God. They don't want His commandments on the walls of our schools or our public places because they're called to give an account to Him. But my friend, these same men that, that call for our allegiance are one breath away from eternity. They cannot exist more than a couple days without sleep. They must eat multiple times a day. They live on bar air, come on, and the trillions of cells in their body are functioning involuntarily, but yet somehow man believes that he's the center of everything. My friends, it's a deception. But as we go back to this continuum, not only are there those in terms of the supernatural that don't believe in God, there are those that believe in God but have different views of the supernatural. If you've heard the term cessationism, if you were raised in a, a, a philosophy of Christianity that basically said God the supernatural is the creator, the, Bible, the miracles in the Bible is, are, are, are true, but God no longer acts that way. When the apostles died, when the Bible was brought together, when it was canonized, there were, God stopped doing miracles. And the only problem with that, it may be a justification for why we don't see more miracles, but it is, my friends, not biblical in its basis. And I would suggest to you, if you believe that or have been taught that, to ask yourself the question, is that really what I want to believe? Do I want to believe the Bible literally, or do I want to just believe something that perhaps may not have been true? Now, there's another thought that influences us. It's called deism. Deism, again, arose the 17th, 18th century as rational man be able to, uh, began to replace the faith to walk with God. Uh, the deist believes that God acted supernaturally in creation, but no longer is involved in the affairs of, human, of humanity. It's as if God took a clock, the old kind of alarm clocks. Remember when you used to wind them up? Well, that's what God did to the universe. He created it all. He put all the laws in motion, the processes, and he just wound it up and he put it on a table and he says, okay, just work yourself out. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm on vacation. Now, the third person, though, that believes in the Bible, not the cessationist or the deist, but the Bible literalist, that's what I am, I, and I hope you are. It's someone who literally believes the pages of the Bible. That if the Bible is properly interpreted, that literally believes in the pages of Scripture. For example, if I'm sick, I believe my first response is the book of James tells me that if any sick is in your midst, let him call for the elders of the church that anoint with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And if they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven. So my first response is, is not to call and ask for a referral to a good doctor. And listen, you don't have to choose faith or doctors. I suggest to you that the skill the doctors have that are able to bring healing are simply what they've unlocked, what God put into place. That God is the author of healing. A doctor might aid healing. He, might, he or she might stop things that are hindering health. But a doctor simply tapped into the laws and processes that produce life in the same way as the scientist has tapped into what causes electronics to work. But God is the one that's behind it. And you don't have to choose doctors or faith. Just choose God first. Choose God first. You say, well, someone prayed for me and it didn't do any good. Well, are you going to base your belief on your experiences? Or are you going to base your belief on the revelation of God's Word? You see, I don't pray because of my results with prayer. I pray because the Bible teaches me to pray. 
This is a big, big distinction. You see, even people who believe... If you looked in the pages of Scripture, uh, Paul the Apostle, uh, incredible miracles are recorded historically in his life. But this same guy, he said, I was often hungry. <laughs> there, there were times that I was homeless. There were times when, when I thought I was going to die horribly beaten. You see, we tend to view the supernatural like a red box. You just get out, you go up to it, and you say, do I want action or drama or documentary or whatever? And you pick one. Well, today I want a healing miracle. Tomorrow I want the supernatural in my financial provision. The next day I want relational provision. I need a spouse. You know, the next day I want you to fix this problem. God doesn't work that way. I mean, and I cannot explain to you why, but I simply want to encourage you to have faith that acts like a, I'll say a drawbridge. You remember the old castles when they would let down that drawbridge, and it, that drawbridge came out, and then the troops would go across it? Well, that's your belief, your faith, to welcome God's presence. As opposed to if you say, well, that's just not possible, you pull the bridge up, and you're simply trusting what naturalism can produce to you. I want to encourage you in all areas of life that we would simply believe that the God who who did can do it again. Come on, give him a, a good hand today. Now, let's get into a lot of Scripture now. With this background, and we're unaware of how we're influenced. You see, we've been taught that we uh, get to make the rules in life, that our experiences determine what's right and wrong as opposed to the revelation of Scripture. And it's a big, big difference. Um, Stephen the deacon, the Bible records the acts of a supernatural God who works in ordinary people. Now, we could literally spend hours talking about biblical miracles, but I want to just pull out a couple things of this supernatural in the Bible. Uh, many of us were taught cessationism that said the apostles did miracles, but nobody else can. That died with the apostles. Let me look at one of the first deacons. His name was Stephen. Acts chapter 6, verse 5. Uh, they chose Stephen to be a deacon. And notice what it says. He was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, he was full of God's grace and power. Is it just possible that if you can be full of God's grace, full of the Spirit, full of faith, that you could also be just a little bit? Is it possible that you could be partially full like your gas? Is it possible that your spiritual life could be like the gas gauge on your car? And you could either be full of gas, full of the Spirit, full of faith, or you could be near empty on all those accounts. Is it just possible that the fuller you are of God's presence and God's purposes, that the more likely it is that the supernatural is going to work in our lives? Now, the next few weeks, we're going to talk about doors of the supernatural. I, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to even attempt to give you a formula, you know, for how to make this work, but we're going to look at the Bible and we're going to see men and women who experienced the supernatural and what they did, how they lived, what might have been a trigger for it uh, in the days ahead. But Stephen, full of faith, notice he was full of God's grace and power, but what's the scripture say? He performed, say it with me, great wonders and signs among the people. Verse 9, opposition arose because not everybody's for the message of Christ. Uh, they began to argue with Stephen, but they couldn't stand up to the wisdom he learned in school. They couldn't stand up to the wisdom he gained from hours on the Internet. No, it says they couldn't resist or stand against the wisdom the Spirit gave him. Again, the Holy Spirit is the source of anything supernatural in our lives. And the Holy Spirit was able to show him things, tell him things, reveal things to him, show him how to solve problems that were, was beyond what he knew. 
I had a friend who's a surgeon that was telling me, he said one time it was in a complicated case. He didn't know what to do. And he said, out of the blue, this thought came to my mind. I never heard it. I never read it. I didn't even know what it meant. But as I began to make inquiry with other people that were more proficient than him, they, they explained to him and it helped him do a procedure that was able to help that person get better. It, it's as if the supernatural is not just something that should be in church. The supernatural should be a part of your life at school, at Walmart, on the ball field, wherever you are. Because God is supernatural. When you share your faith with someone and that person makes a commitment and puts their trust in Christ, that's a supernatural thing that just happened. The Holy Spirit just came in and, and invaded the situation. You know, when you're interceding and praying for something to change, for something to happen in life, when it finally happens, God has just come in your world. So the supernatural is not just a church thing. It's a Christian thing. Look at verse 15. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, they looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. What is that? Supernatural. You see, this guy was a deacon, but supernatural manifestation was all around him, and it wasn't weird and spooky. Has anybody ever been around the weird and spooky? I think a lot of that in Christian circles are because people genuinely want to see God move. Come on. They genuinely want to see the Lord do things, but you can't force God to act. And what the weirdness does, it becomes flesh, and it pushes people away. Listen, the Bible is filled with supernatural things happening to ordinary people all the time. If you look in the stories of, of Christ, the disciples fished all night. These are professional fishermen. They hadn't caught a thing. That's the way they paid their bills. That's the way they made the house payment, made the mortgage, and made the chariot payment through fishing. But they didn't catch anything. And Jesus said, I want you to put your nets on that side of the boat. Now, as we'll see next week, one of the conditions of a miracle is that you obey what the Lord tells you to do. If they hadn't dropped their nets in the boat in obedience, they wouldn't have caught a thing. But the Bible says their boat caught, they had caught so many fish, they, couldn't even, they had to get help to bring them all in. It's as if the God of the Bible knew exactly where those fish were. Somehow, the Lord called those fish to come together, and they just picked them up. Is it possible the same thing could happen to you in your business? Is it possible in the same way, wherever your provision comes from, is it possible that God could supernaturally do for you what your work and education alone can't provide for you? Absolutely. It's as if we as believers have an edge because we have faith to expect supernatural things to happen. We're content with where we are, but we have an expectation. There was a destitute widow. You remember the story of Elijah. She and her son, they're going to starve to death in a famine. You know, uh, you can become very fearful about the future. But guess what? The prophet Elijah just simply told her some small thing to do. She had faith. She did what the man of God said, and then she had provision for the rest of the famine. I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these were three guys and they were simply standing up for what was true and right. And, and, and they so angered the dictator that the dictator threw them in a fiery furnace to kill them. But guess what? Jesus showed up and they were miraculously saved. Ordinary people. And not only they say they were promoted to higher levels of government. You say, well, this is something I want you to see in this series too. The supernatural is not just receiving good things, but there's something called supernatural endurance. See, not every problem you have in life will be fixed automatically by God. Remember when Stephen was stoned? This same Stephen we just read about had all this power and all this faith, but he's standing witnessing to the Jewish Sanhedrin, and the Lord allows him to be stoned to death as a martyr 
But the Bible says when he was stoned, he looked in the air. Come on. He looked above the problems. He had faith to look towards God. And the Bible said, Stephen said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And those people put their hands over their ears and they started cussing and throwing rocks at him. But listen, he had a supernatural encounter with God before he left this earth. Now, don't you think that was a pretty cool way to go to heaven? I mean, don't you think when he got to heaven, everybody wasn't just shouting and just, and just saying, Stephen, go. So super, this supernatural thing is not just supernatural power, ability to do things, to get things, but it's to endure difficulties in life. See, Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Listen, didn't Jesus say, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, but I'll always be with you, even to the end of the age? Even I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because... You are with me. Come on, the supernatural God has come to be a part of my life. Give him a good hand this morning. Uh, let's keep on this just a little longer about the Bible is filled with supernatural things than ordinary people. How about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Do you know they're supernatural? And again, cessationism would say, well, all that stopped with the apostles. But listen to what the Bible would literally say. Because sometimes in our mind, we have built little walls and aren't even sure why they're there. It was a philosophy we taught. It was a book that was erroneously taught to us. Or maybe we had a bad experience. I'm fully convinced many people have, have shut this uh, option of the supernatural because they prayed that something wouldn't happen, and it did, and they were crushed because God didn't hear them. Now, listen, I can't explain that. I cannot explain to you why God didn't supernaturally heal my wife but has graciously used the wisdom of good doctors. But I can simply say... You know, like Job did, the Lord gives, the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Listen, God is still good no matter what goes on around us. Uh, these, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, look what it says. Uh, some of you are Christ's body, and the really special ones are a part of it. Is that what it says? No. It says, all of you are Christ's body, and each of you is a part. Punch your neighbor and say, you're in each. And listen to what he says, each of you have. Some of you eaches, each part that God has appointed for the church. See, God supernaturally gives people a grace to be an apostle, a prophet, a teacher. So a teacher is not just trained through books and school, which are vitally important education, but God can equip a person. God can give person a, a person abilities to teach, and that is supernatural. And this is what it says here in the New Testament. Those who do miracles. It's possible that in each can have this gift of miracles. Those who have the gift of healing. Those who can help others. It's the gift of helps. It's serving. I met someone at the door in the first service and just full of joy at the back door. And I said, thank you so much for you know, being a greeter. And she said, well, that's what I do. I love to serve. Well, she has the gift of helps. Now, you might say, well, it's her personality. I would say it's part of the supernatural deposit of God that made her unique as she is. He goes on to say the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. But look what it says, verse 31. You should, you should, you should cross your fingers and hope that you get a gift. Come on. No, it says you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. So the Bible is teaching us that we are to, to earnestly desire that God would give us that ability to do supernatural things as we advance God's kingdom. See, and that's something that is available, my friends, to all believers. Give the Lord a good hand this morning. Now, let's go to Jesus. 
and again, this is the broad kind of broad picture in this series. Jesus told believers to expect supernatural experiences. The Christian church across the world today has over 2 billion people in it today. It is the fastest growing religion on the earth. Uh, uh, more people have been Christians in the history of the world than any other religion. Jesus started it by not only teaching good things, but by doing supernatural acts. But I want you to see how he built the church that's here today. He told the disciple, he told the apostles to do something. He told 70 people. Then he told the whole group of them. And then history continued. Matthew 10, 5, Jesus sent out 12 apostles, and he said, Go and announce to them, in other words, this is your sermon, the kingdom of heaven is near. This is your message. And verse 8, Jesus said, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. Well, look at verse 9. Those are extraordinary, but look at verse 9. <laughs> don't take any money. Don't uh, Go on this trip and don't carry a suitcase with a change of clothes. What does that mean? I'm going to supernaturally take care of you as you're on a mission. And doesn't it just make more sense that if we're on a mission from God, doing the works of God, we're more apt to have the supernatural hand of God on our life. Whereas if we're just living our life, doing our thing, asking God to do things for us and to us, we may bypass some of these things. Well, you say, well, Pastor, that was the original apostles, and that's why cessationism. No, Luke 10. I had a man tell me last night. He said, Pastor, I've been a, a, a Christian all my life. But I didn't know that Jesus did this next scripture. Now the Lord chose 72 or 70 other disciples, not apostles. And this, is, this was his instructions. <laughs> Don't take any money with you. Don't take a traveler's bag. Heal the sick. And this is your sermon. Tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But look at verse 17. They returned. They joyfully reported to him, even demons obey us when we use your name. So now 12 guys went out. And now 70 go out. And now look at Luke 24. This is after the resurrection, before Jesus went back to heaven. The whole group of disciples, listen to what he said. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But you stay here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from where? Heaven. So now he told the whole group of the church. Well, you may say, well, I knew that was in the Bible, but, but I believe when the Bible was over that miracles stopped. Have you ever heard of one of the church fathers called Augustine? Augustine wrote The City of God, some 22 volumes. But he wrote The City of God. He was very influential. He wrote in about 425 A.D., four centuries after Christ uh, uh, came, to, came to the earth. And listen to what one of his volumes records. Augustine now, 400 years after Christ was on the earth, he records healings of blindness, of paralysis, and other diseases. Farm animals were cured. In other words, you're going to visit somebody on the farm, and there's a problem with the sheep. There's a, there's a disease, and, and you don't have a, a phone app at the time where you can take a picture of the sheep and send it to the veterinarian, come on, and get the problem solved. That sheep was just going to die. Somebody prayed for the farm animal, and they lived. Uh, listen to this. Demons were cast out of individuals. <laughs> the dead were raised. And in one case, a poor man who lost his coat, think about this, lost his coat, prayed. What's prayer? It's opening the door of the supernatural. He found a huge fish squirming on the beach, and he sold it to a restaurant, so he got some money. But they found a gold ring in the gullet of the fish, and they gave it to him. So, well, that's impossible. That's impossible. Now, wait a minute now. Didn't Peter find some money in a fish's mouth one day? Didn't Peter find a See, this is, this is where we get in trouble. We say, well, it's impossible. 
Because that just can't, that is, that is impossible. Why do you say that? It's because you have a circle around life called naturalism that the world has put in you that says there is no God and God can't do anything inside the circle and fishes don't jump on the bank. You know you've got to catch them with a black worm this time of the year or one of those kind of little creepy crawlers or a spinner bait. You just don't, big bass just don't jump on the bank. Now come on, maybe it's spawning preacher when they're ball spawning and you know water and something comes after them, but they're not going to jump on the bank right now. I've been a fisherman all my life. Zechariah and Elizabeth have been godly people all their lives, and they don't have a baby. And an angel appears to Zacharias, and the angel said, uh, Luke chapter 1, that your wife is going to have a child, and you're going to name him John. Come on. And that John is going to be herald of the goodness of, uh, 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 of Jesus Christ, the Savior. And he said, well, how can that be? That's impossible. Uh, and he was strucken. He was made mute for a season of time in his life because we've said it's impossible. The angel said nothing is impossible with God. See, the angel said, erase that little circle that you've called naturalism around life because there's a God that just wants to get involved in your world. And that same angel appears to Mary, come on, young virgin teenage girl, and said, you're going to have a baby. And she said, wow, how's that going to happen? She had faith, come on, where Zechariah was bound by what he saw and felt and understood. See, many churches, many preachers preach that the book of Jonah is a metaphor. It's a myth. Because after all, a fish could never swallow somebody. It's not what Jesus said. Jesus said that Jonah was in the belly of a whale three days and three nights. First thing we want to do when we hear the story as modern Americans is we want to Google and see the size of a fish that could have enough cubic feet of air. Come on, to be able to keep a man alive for three days. Ken, I'm telling you, God can put his own air tank inside of a fish. And if the fish is not big enough, God, come on, he can make a bigger fish. And God can even make Jonah be able to breathe water, come on, like, a, like an amphibian, like a, a fish can through its gills. You've seen scientific science movies, come on, science fiction, and they're, and they're breathing this material and it's got air in it, come on, the movie Contact, and their air is coming through. The, well, could God not do something like that? See, somehow we have to move from the thoughts of the impossible to the possible with God. Come on, give him a big hand today. Well, let me wrap up this morning, then we're going to pray. Uh, next week, Lord willing, we're going to, we're going to start with looking at some of the, the, the things, the doors of the supernatural, what men and women were doing in the Bible when they had these encounters with God. But let me close with this, John 14, 12. It's the words of Jesus, and Jesus said, all believers should expect the supernatural. John 14, 12, Jesus said, truly, truly. Now, I believe every word in the Scripture is true anyway. But when Jesus underscores and says, truly, truly, here's what he said. I say to you, only the one who prays an hour a day. Is that what it says? Let me make bigger on the iPad here. Only the one who went to Bible school. Only the one who doesn't do those bad things anymore. No. What's it say? Whoever believes. Now, could you pause? Just how many believers in the room? Let me see your hand. How many believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world? Come on, the hope and author of eternal life. Well, he's speaking to you. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Not just the sermons I preach or espouse the doctrine I have, but greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. That is, he, and the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit. So what is this greater works? I'll tell you, I couldn't find many commentators that had much of a grip on this. I'm just simply going to believe that Jesus said greater works than greater works are possible. 
If it's possible for a Bill Bright to take the Jesus film and the three spiritual laws and reach a billion people on planet Earth, that's one thing. But listen, I can believe that God can do miracles wherever I am because I'm advancing the kingdom just like Jesus is. Jesus said this to me. Well, I'll close with Mark 16. You say, well, I don't know if that's in the Bible. <laughs> well, it's in my Bible. Um, you know, there's some question maybe around it, but uh, jeepers, it's in there. Those who believe will be able to do these things as proof. They'll use my name to force out demons. Again, now, we live in a world that doesn't even believe in demons. We can have a kid, a mass shooter in Sandy Hook, go on a violent rampage and blame it on, I don't know what, video game. They won't tell you what meds he was taking. It just kind of escapes us. Can I tell you there's a demonic... Before Satan came in this world, Adam and Eve's kids were getting along. And when Satan came in this world... Well, I'm sorry, they weren't born at the time when Satan came in the world. But, but before the fall of man, there weren't violence and rape and murder. But when Satan came into the world, Cain killed Abel. See, we live in a world today that has an evil, an unseen evil influence. So if I don't see it, I don't believe it. You don't see the oxygen molecules you breathe. You don't see photosynthesis at work. You see the end result. It's on your dinner table. But you don't see it. But there's a spiritual atmosphere. They'll force out demons. They'll speak in new languages. Verse 18, they'll pick up snakes and drink poison without being hurt. Now, this is not like the National Geographic show about snake handlers in Kentucky, okay? That's presumption. Just like Jesus, uh, when, when Satan told him to jump off the temple and Jesus said, don't tempt the Lord, this is not presumption. But this is like the Apostle Paul, come on, when he was sitting around a fire praying and witnessing to people and a snake came out and bit him and he shook it off, this poisonous copperhead, whatever it was in the fire, and he didn't die. Come on, it was a sign. That's what this is talking about. Uh, they'll touch the sick and the sick will be healed. So what's my point in all this? The Bible is a supernatural book. And the Bible tells us as people that we can believe that the supernatural God can still work today. That God's not just the God of yesterday. He's the God of today. He's the God of the now. There's not just this realm around the natural and the supernatural. Come on, God's just coming in and out of that thing every day. God's got laws. God's got processes. He's the one behind it. Come on. And I want to have faith to believe. I want to be on a mission. I want to be in position. So when God needs to do something big to get the attention of the world, come on, that he can do it through a little guy like me. How about you? Give the Lord a, a good hand this morning. He's, he's worthy of our praise. Let's close with prayer this morning. And simply, I'd like to begin this series and this prayer time with this prayer. Could we just pray together and say, Lord, would you use me supernaturally? Would you just get me in a place in my Christian life so the Holy Spirit could trust me with the mighty works of God? With that simple prayer, if you would just stand to your feet with me and let's just say, Lord, would you just come to us? Christians all over the room saying, Lord, I want to know this supernatural side of the Bible. Come on, reach your heart out to heaven, your hands. Lord, I want to know. I want to get in place, whether it's whatever it is in my life. But I just pray that the Holy Spirit would come in my life. I want to be like Stephen. I don't want to be half empty on faith. I want to be full of faith. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. I want to be someone that you could entrust to be able to do amazing things, Lord, as we're on a mission to reach people for Christ. Holy Spirit, would you just fill me now? Would you just pray that prayer? Say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? 
Would you just come to me and capture my life? Would you just take my life and make it like a piece of clay and shape me and make me into the person you want me to be? I'm here today reporting for duty. In Jesus' name, amen.